Welcome to What Would You Say You Do Here? This is season two, episode two. And today we're going to be talking about product management and support and how do they intersect. I can't believe we made it to season two, episode two. I'm really impressed with that. It take us a while to get from season two, episode one to <laughs> episode two. It's pandemic times, you know. Time, yes, it is. Time is not linear anymore. <laughs> well, today we have a guest with us. Adam, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, glad to be here. I'm Adam Hoffman. I used to be a product manager at CallRail. Now I am a knowledge manager at CallRail and made that change pretty unexpectedly when the pandemic hit and realized that the company had some needs that weren't being met, decided that I wanted to fill that role. So I've been doing that for the past uh, about six months now. He's being modest. He knows more than anyone else. So that's why he got the knowledge manager role. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the trick with the trouble with that is when you've been at CallRail for almost six years, which is more than probably 95% of the company, you have a lot of tribal and historical knowledge of the company and uh, of the product and of everything that's happened and of like basically everything. And the why's. Sometimes you'll you'll know you'll know the what, right. but you won't know the why. So if you don't know the yeah. why, you go to Adam. The, tra- Adam the hard why. part <laughs> is is like how do you for for me the hard part is is how do you make it so that my knowledge that I have can be taken to this other person who's asking me about it, and then they can take it to other people. So you're not having to answer the same question over and over. Yeah, yeah, and for a lot of you know for a lot of companies in general, like. There is, you know, whether you use Slack or whether you use HipChat or whether you use whatever product or Skype, whatever product you use for internal communication, you don't want to be the person who is constantly being like dinged in, you know, in Slack or else yeah. you won't get anything done. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not really scalable. And I'm sure a lot of PMs deal with that, right? Like you're the only one who knows yeah. uh, the certain area. And so without having a good knowledge manager, you, the PMs are you become the de facto knowledge manager. So good on CallRail for like having that position and fulfilling that need. Yeah. So that's uh, really for knowledge management. We're really focused on uh, the support side currently um, because that's where a lot of the customer interactions kind of, they start with sales, but then they, you know, can quickly move into support. And we have tons of customers reaching out to us uh, to gain either product knowledge or troubleshooting. And um, there's a lot of knowledge that's just needed um, in that area. And being able to kind of be the intermediary person between like your product manager and support um, has been has been really beneficial even in the last, you know, even in the last quarter. We've been making a lot of efforts to kind of close that gap between those between those two groups of or between those two organizations. Absolutely. I can say as someone who works very closely with Adam, I have seen a reduction in the the number of historical information requests that I get, or, you know, why did we make this decision? Why do we do it this way? That kind of thing. Those have drastically cut down. And I, and I think a lot of it is due not just to people pinging you all as yeah. one of the documentation created. Yeah. And that's, again, like the challenge with all of that is like, How do you make it something that's organizational? It's not just a me effort. It's a collective effort of, hey, it doesn't exist in documentation. I'm just going to go create it. Whether I'm a tier one support rep or whether I am a product manager or whether I'm a developer, like somebody create the documentation so that somebody, so that we can find it when we need it. 
Absolutely. Even if it's not your job, you can always hand the documentation to someone whose job it is. Yep. Those are my favorite people who take the initiative to document what was done and how things work. I kind of like, and my wife kind of jokes about this too, but um, she basically is like, so you're basically kind of like a librarian. Exactly. And I'm like, well, yeah. Well, before we get too deep into this, we have to ask the important questions, which I think everyone knows who's been listening to our podcast. What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a nice holiday cocktail consisting of really simple bourbon, simple syrup, some winter bitters that I made, and some nutmeg. So simple. You just have to go out and make those winter bitters yourself. Other than that, you can find winter bitter or bitters that have any sort of like mulling spice is really kind of like the secret. You could even just like, you know, steep some mulling spice, just like you spice this deep tea. I got some mulling spices for Christmas. I might have to try that. Do it. I was going to ask what what is the secret to the 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 bitters, but it sounds like the spices. So yeah, that's exactly what I would expect for a holiday drink. It's basically like making tea, only you wait like three weeks. Aaron, what about you? Uh, I'm drinking the last bit of my uh, Cal Common, which is uh, an amber ale. It's it's the same as an Anchor Steam beer for those who've heard of that commercial variety. But yeah, it's uh, I've got hopefully a new Belgian Pater's beer that'll be ready in a few weeks. Uh, but for now, I'm finishing up this amber. Nice. Well, you two are putting me to shame. I'm just drinking plain whiskey, but I do have it in a very Christmassy glass, so... Yes. Straight whiskey. I like it. All right. So, support. I think the first thing we wanted to talk about was, you know, some of the similarities between support and product. And I think the biggest one that comes to mind is that both support and product really care about the customer. It's all about customer empathy. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. I think there's like a different level of empathy support has a different level of empathy than product has to have. I think products yeah. like you're empathetic with customer experience and with them having, with a customer having issues with something that you've built, if you're talking about software or anything like that, from a support side, you have to be empathetic about like everything. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, whether it's like how you price the product or yeah. how you, you know, how the product was packaged or how you signed up for something and, you know, work set or like how you're how you met the customer's expectations yeah um you have to be empathetic about all of that um but yeah i think like you you have to have that empathy that's a really good point i actually hadn't really thought about that but yeah like i think a lot of times a a product manager will come in with the lens of like well how is my product or my feature a pain in in your life and you don't really think about everything else right like how long did it take you to ramp up in your staff to use the product how how painful was the buying experience or the support experience you know that you're you're you know that you're giving them and that's something that would be really great for every i think product manager to, to think about like beyond just their bubble of the product how is the overall customer experience which we talk about all the time but i think until you're actually on the front yeah. lines with support like talking with frustrated customers it's really hard to understand what they're going through yeah and that's that's been one of the things that i've been also trying to do is like if you hear somebody have a pain point about something whether it's just come out or whether it's you know something old let somebody know because somebody's going to care about that type of feedback and then building in building in processes inside of our support organization around okay well how do we do it from a standpoint of like so we don't have to like tell somebody every single time like how do we create the data to be able to make it actually 
get results and be able to say, here is the number of people who have talked about this specific product and this specific feature in the last 24 or in the last like 30 days. Yeah, and I, I think you hit on a good point too there because I think sometimes I'll feel bad saying no as a product manager to support. You know, they have they have one person on the phone who they've built a rapport with and that one person is very upset. But as a product manager, I have to think about all of the people, including the people who are not yet customers, you know, prospects or whatever, or the marketplace who are not even prospects yet. That's kind of important for for support to understand from the, from the flip side that if they can provide data where it's not just this one customer I'm talking to, but I've heard this from the last 10 customers that I've talked to that that's a little bit more interesting as a product manager of a problem that I need to solve. Right. That's huge. And being able to teach a support rep, like how product is actually built, even from a high level of just like, if you're talking about software, a high level, here's how we actually build this stuff. And here's how it comes to fruition. And here's your role in that. And making it making that known so that the next time that a support a support rep gets on the phone with a customer and that customer is asking, well, why can't you just build it? Then they have some fuel to be like, we have to go through this thing of like it's a feature request or letting the customer know that their feedback is really valuable. We have all these other things that we're that we're focused on and we'll definitely like pass along feedback and pass it on to the right person and make sure that that happens. But getting them to have the vision of here's what it is to be a product manager. Here's what that role looks like from a, like from a high level. And here's how things are actually like built. Yeah, for sure. I've been talking in some past episodes about the jobs to be done framework and like how that can help you as a product manager, understand what it is that customers are hiring your product to do. And, and we were saying like, you know, support probably more than anyone as you were just like touching on, knows exactly what jobs the product does really well that the customer is happy with and like what jobs the job is really falling short on. And this is beyond just features and functions. So how how can a, a product manager think more like uh, support in understanding those jobs that the customer really cares about? Yeah, I think that they can understand more about the customer by talking to support people more. In times we get so siloed into our own work, into our own roadmap, into our own things that we're building or things that we're working on. But I I think it's like, and I did this as a product manager, going to a few support reps and being like, hey, we're thinking about building this. Do you think this would be helpful to customers? And they'd go, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Can we do that? Yeah, we're probably going to work on something that would solve that problem. The things that I forgot to ask were like, okay, but what are you hearing about from customers today? Like, what are the things that are paining the customers the most that you're hearing about every single day? Because those are the things that are probably like, we could probably fix the things that we're hearing the most about. I feel like at least at CallRail, we've done a good job of listening to the customer and being able to take that. But it took it took a lot of time to be able to realize probably support and sales and success. And whoever talks to the customer is probably like the best source of this information. And then we can do all of the other like product level, like innovation stuff alongside that. Yeah, for sure. I think another thing that both departments have is kind of a, a love of problem solving. I think if you don't love problem solving, then you're probably not someone who's going to last in in either one of those positions. I definitely agree. I mean, I think being in both a PM and a knowledge management role, and I mean, I started at the company and support, kind of been all over the place. You know, there there was always that 
And I feel like you're the most successful at a, at any company you work with if you want to solve problems. Yeah. If you can if you can recognize the problem and go, okay, well, how would I solve that? And who would I need to talk to to make that work? And how could I get it done? That's yeah. That's what people love. People want to hire that person. People want to work with that person. Apart from being really beneficial to the customer and the business from a self-serving perspective, that's good yeah. job security. Find problems that need to be solved and you know figure out how yeah. to solve them. But yeah, I think product managers solve customers' problems in a way of like, we're going to revamp this, how this works, or we're going to build this new thing to make it work better and support solves problems of, all right, well, I've solved this problem 15 times already. And here's how you do it. Um, (laughs) And they solve it based on past experience. And then when there's a new problem, they go and ask somebody or they go and find that information in some repository of information that just exists. Because we have a knowledge manager who makes sure that it exists. I want to touch on like the qualitative versus quantitative data that is really important, obviously, to understand the product issues and needs. And if you don't have like a quantitative assessment of support tickets by some sort of categorization, support is obviously a great qualitative measure of what the issues are. Well, definitely every product manager should be talking to customers as frequently as possible. Mm-hmm. Talking to support is probably the next best thing, right? Because they, they're able to synthesize like all of those problems, like you had mentioned, Adam. Like they're hearing these things over and over all day long right. and probably have a pretty good instinct on what is the problems that need to be solved the most urgently. Yeah. Like, and I think that, I think the qual or the, I think the quantitative data is like the hardest to get especially if you're just like starting, like if you're just starting out, like when you're, when, when there's a product team of two product managers and a support team of 10 people, like you are not focused on quantitative stuff. You're focused on let's, let's just do whatever we can to, to handle these, you know, handle these customers and make them happy. Um, But then like the quantitative stuff, like if you start, if you start early, you know, it starts to, you start to get uh, quite a bit of data on um, and be able to like organize it in a way that can actually like be beneficial to, to somebody and to a product manager or to, um, you know, to a CPO, whoever you're, you know, whatever level of company you're dealing with. Um, And those things can be valuable uh, immensely when you're, when you're just like, if you're a product manager and going, Hey, I wonder how many tickets we've gotten in about this specific thing that I'm researching. And I started researching into, um, being able to find that is awesome. Um, but it takes a lot, it takes a while to get there. And, um, you know, we've just now started like in the last like six months, probably like getting to a point where we can like pretty reliably report on those sorts of things without it taking a ton of time. But then the qualitative things are like, that's just talking to a member of a support team and saying like, Hey, let me spend 15 minutes with you and just pick your brain on this thing. Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think about like, I'm trying to think about X, Y, and Z. And I don't know if I understand it from a customer's perspective. And before I like go and contact customers, I'd like to know like kind of what you've ran into. And I think those are great ways to start that conversation, start getting qualitative data around those decisions that you want to make or that you want to kind of drive as a product manager. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that's a strong uh, vote for it. If you have not yet like shadowed someone in support, I highly recommend it. Actually, I just found out recently that there, there's a queue to uh, for product managers to go in and like shadow a support. Nice at my company. And I, I finally was able to get a slot in like late January to go and do that. But I'm excited because I, I just yeah. look at tickets and I look at data, but it, it does, it's not really like a, a replacement for like sitting and listening to a call and like hearing how frustrated someone is or like really like what are the nuances of the problem that you can't possibly understand unless you're doing that thing like yeah. 10 times a day. I think you get like, without doing that, you can get kind of desensitized to like the humanity of problems and you can, and you can start just being like, well, I'm looking at all this data mm-hmm. and the data says this, but then I'm listening to these five customers say something different and it elicits this emotion in me to be like, I got to fix that because I'm, a, you know, because I'm a product manager and I want to do right by the, by these people and make like, make the product better, make the, uh, you know, everything better. I used to be like, for everybody who starts at this at this company, they should all have to go through support training and they should all have to spend like a week or two on the phones. It's not scalable, but like I think that you if you threw people into like a week long training of like or threw people into like, hey, here's what you need to know about everything that are, you know, about our company and about our product. And then all right, turn you loose on some phone calls and you you know, you get to you get to kind of see it. Then you start to empathize a little bit more with not only that support, not only the person who's supporting the customer, but also the customer. All right. Well, what about some of the differences? Uh, The thing that's always stuck out to me is that, and and this is coming from a background of, I used to be in support and I used to be the one who knew the product really well, but I've always said that support is always going to know the product better than product. Because even if you as a product manager have built this thing and it's your baby and it's wonderful, you hand it off and you move on to something else. And they're in the ones that are in there day to day, every single day, all day long, taking these calls and messages with it and they're they're actually doing the thing yeah so whether your product has you know five different product lines or just one or whether you're just starting out like that the support team is definitely going to know more holistically about the product more than the product manager does um and i found that in my own you know product management experience i had to be i had to get to a point of going okay well i started in support and i knew all of this stuff about this side of our product and then I spent three years as a product manager and going, okay, I don't know any of that stuff anymore. And I don't care to know any of it. I don't, I don't want to know how this integration works currently yeah. because I'm focused on trying to build this other thing. But then when I went back to support and started like seeing those problems and those gaps, I was like, okay, well, I have to start relearning. I have to like reteach myself how to how these people support all this whole other side of, of customer issues. But I think like, you know, you get into from a support organization perspective, you kind of start forming it similar to like a product organization where you have these kind of specialized groups of people is that you you get to a certain level or a certain size where you start to go, okay, well, it's not scalable for our entire support organization to know everything there is to know about the product. Every single person to have the same level of knowledge about everything. Yeah. Right. Because the product's going to keep growing and you're going to keep exploding things and like, and adding new functionalities and things like that. And you're going to keep doing it. That's the same thing that happens in a product organization at first, like, 
if you're the first product manager in an organization, you're going, okay, well, I'm looking at this whole thing, this whole big picture of like everything um, that is going on. Then as you grow, you start going, okay, well, we need some specialized people in these different levels and different parts of the product organization. So I think like they're quite different, but then they, as, as they get, like, as the teams get larger, they start to kind of converge and become similar again. Yeah. My very first product job was basically like, uh, a very small team, a small product that we built from the ground up. And so I knew everything. And since then, I've just worked for like larger and larger companies and more complex products and ecosystems. And it's been tough to like accept the fact that like I'm not going to know everything. And it's not reasonable to expect that I like would know everything. Yeah. And that's kind of me. Like that's kind of like the niche that I found myself in is like, I, since I have historical knowledge of all of these things, I can be that person who somebody goes and says, like, I don't want somebody to ask me a question that's like, hey, how do I do this? Like, I want somebody to ask me a question of like, I looked in this place, this place, and this place, and I can't find the answer. That's a much better question. So who do I go and talk to? Yeah. Because I know who you can talk to because I happen to, you know, luckily have that knowledge of the people who have built things because I've have had some tenure, had some history with the company. Well, Adam, you were talking about how, like, you know, as products grow, uh, you know, obviously you get to a point where you can't know everything, you know, whether you're support or product. And and so I know that's something that I've seen. I've definitely seen a lot of approaches to how product keeps support up to date on like the new features, you know, what's coming down the pike. Um, What have you seen that's like you feel is like a really successful way of like keeping uh, support informed and like you as like a knowledge manager aware of like what's happening or going to happen? I think for a support organization to know what's going on, there needs to be some sort of communication on whether it's a monthly basis or like a biweekly basis of like, if you're working in two week sprints, it might be a good idea for your product organization to do a every two weeks where we do a kind of a product update for all the customer facing teams. Um, that's one thing that we've done in the past that has, you know, definitely, definitely paid off. And not everybody has to attend that meeting. It is primarily like some of your support leadership or like knowledge management or, you know, anything that stands in the gap between, you know, between those people who are handling customers and, you know, so pretty much like support leadership or, you know, sales leadership. And then they can relay that information to their teams, however they see fit. Like we have weekly team meetings on the support side. And if there's a product change that's coming, like I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to spend, you know, 10 minutes with the team talking about it. I have run into, you know, and we've all run into this where we get to the point where we're like, hey, do you have any questions? Does anybody have any questions? Yeah. And everybody's silent. Yeah. It's all crickets. And the larger the meeting, the more that 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 happens. It's because they're doing like five other things during the meeting. So it's important to not only have that like, hey, I'm going to tell you about this. But I'm also going to, I'm also going to kind of like in this moment, like a moment after this meeting, I'm going to spam you with all of the content. You're going to get notified of it to a point where it's like annoying. So you bet <laughs> you should probably look at it. I like strategy. Annoy them yeah. into getting the information. Yeah. It, it's effective. Yeah. It, like it, it really <laughs> is like, but nothing, nothing beats being able to teach like three people about something. Yeah. And then them teach other people like that is like, that's like the golden egg of all of it is like, how do you, how do you get knowledge to a group of a smaller group of people so that they can, you know, bring it to everybody 
So and so they can the one point, the one right. resource all right. the time. Yeah. So if I, so if we have specialized teams on the support side that are dealing with specific parts of the product, like, well, how does that look different? And how do those people communicate with product managers to be able to be those kind of be those arbiters of the information because they're the people who are the most passionate about, um, you know, about a specific, the specific product that, you know, that they're supporting and that they can, you know, go and be like, all right, well, I'm going to be the subject matter expert on this and it's going to end. Um, and I'm going to teach everybody about it. That's huge. So we've like just started kind of like going in that direction now. That's really interesting. I think the next thing we wanted to talk about was how do you how you get information about a new product launch? Well, how do you get information about all of the existing stuff onto a new team? And it sounds like you've you kind of paved the way to to make that change at least at CallRail. And it sounds like that would kind of expand to to any organization of any size. Yeah, I think the the biggest like, and I think I said this earlier, but the biggest challenge with making sure that people are knowledgeable about what you're selling is that you don't have one sole person who knows all of it um, because yeah. because that is not long-term is not going to be effective and it's not going to help your business at all. And eventually that person is going to move on and you are going to have right. a ridiculous gap to fill. Yeah. And, so. and then you see that on, you know, on a product side, you see it on development, like you, you see that all over the place in organizations. And like, I feel like it just takes like one person to recognize that, Hey, we need some, we need something in place or we need something, somebody kind of moving the needle forward on this whole idea of let's kind of decentralize this information and make it so that people kind of feel like they own it in their own way and that their knowledge is equally valuable to mine. And when they feel that, then they want to share it with other people. Um, and that's a really hard thing to get to organizationally. You see those with like big organizations, like, you know, I feel like Apple does a really good job of that. Like people who work at Apple really, really like Apple and they they really like to talk about it. Yeah, they really do. They really like to talk about the thing that they worked on. Um, And you don't see that at a lot of companies, but it's because somebody said it's because somebody came in and said, hey, you know, you're working on this thing. I want you to tell the world about this one piece of the thing that you worked on. Yeah. And I think it's hard. It's hard in your in your job, in your day to day job like whether you're in product or support you it's hard to you know you kind of sometimes can be disheartened or you can be you can feel like you are you can feel like it's the same every day and there's like not nothing to like be excited about oh yeah and i think everybody kind of you know at some point gets that feeling and and like it's hard to kind of turn make and make that turn to go okay well i'm working on this that's really like that really pumps me up and um, and that really like, you know, I did this one thing today that made the customer's day, or I built this one thing that like kind of changed, you know, changed this metric that we were measuring and, you know, and to focus on those things rather than being like, okay, yeah. well, I'm hearing X, Y, and Z from, you know, from whoever about, you know, all these things that are wrong. Um, and to focus on the things that are right and go, okay, well, I'm going to focus on that stuff because, those are the things that like keep people moving forward and keep people like engaged and passionate because what we really want is passionate yeah. people who really like what they do. Yeah. Yeah. I've totally agree. Uh, so how, how do you, like, what's the best medium for like sharing that those experiences and the, those like, you know, that, those, that knowledge. Uh, Cause I just find like, 
I, I have so many like things to read these days that like it just sending me another article, like at least for me personally, I, yeah. sometimes I'm, I'm going to gloss over it. And I feel like there's got to be better ways um, for like sharing that information and getting people like engaged with it. Have you found anything that's like been particularly like successful beyond just, you know, a knowledge based like article? Yeah. So we've done um, we've kind of like taken or I've at least taken a little bit of a shotgun approach to some of this, some of those things. Like you can, I can write an art, like you said, like I, you can write an article, you can write as many articles as you want, like, but it requires somebody's actual attention to read it. And you can tell them like, Hey, this information happens to be in this article. Did you read it? And they can be like, yeah, I read it. Okay. Well you, you didn't because you, like there's these five things that you missed, but what we found is like what I found has been kind of most effective is just to kind of like be willing to mix it up and go, Hey, like if you feel like making a short 30 second video on how to do something and sharing it with the team is the best option, go ahead and do that. Like, I don't care, like do it, do a, do a screen share with somebody. If you feel like they're struggling with a specific thing, like schedule the time and just, just do it. Like, I'm not going to hold you back from, from trying to teach somebody something else. So I think like, I think we'll see with, you know, in knowledge management, I think we'll like, we've already seen a lot more of like certification type of things and like, like lessons and courses and things like that, where it's not just written information, but it's also like, Hey, you're going to watch this video and you're going to kind of retain it. So we do like a combination of like video in-person training um, written and like, live demo type of type of an approach we've done we've done gifts too i mean like there's product managers who've been like hey we release this thing here's what it looks like here's a gif that's that's great i want more of that because that i can put in a document that somebody might actually read how do you think that product can think more like support i i think a a, a good example would be like um product launches yeah. when it's finally time for your product to come out your feature your enhancement you know your huge suite of products whatever it is that launch is exciting it, it's the result of months uh sometimes longer of of effort of bringing different organizations and departments together Together to, to come up with this particular thing that you're launching. And it's a very exciting time. And it can be very scary for support, just absolutely terrifying, depending on what you as a product manager have made sure that they have access to training documentation. That is a really good question. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that you can do as a product manager is be in the trenches with support. Um, or you don't have to answer tickets or answer phone calls from customers, even though you probably will do that. If you're like really like if it's a brand new product and you're trying to talk to every customer that you can to try to understand what they like, what they're having issues with or what, you know, what uh, they're loving about it. If the support team feels like you are a voice that is like, regularly chiming in to a support conversation um, about how they're supporting a customer on this new product that will take you yeah. that will take you so much further and like it, it makes people in the support organization go okay yeah. well this person understands what i'm going through then that comes then there comes the empathy yeah it's better for everyone. It's better for the customer because they're going to get, you know, more insight. It's yeah. better for the support rep feels supported and the product manager learns a lot more yeah. if they're willing to talk to support. Yeah. Um, but I, I, like, I think that's the biggest thing is, is really just being willing to be that person to not just be like, all right, Hey, we launched a new thing. Have fun. No product launch doesn't have, doesn't end after a product launch. Yeah. It is, it starts. Yeah. <laughs> 
Any product manager who's had a bad launch really ought to know that. Yeah, and I've had I've had some. Anyone who's been a product manager yeah. for any length of time has had a bad launch, and you really ought to understand yeah. that you you can't wipe your hands of something just because it's launched. Yeah, I mean, I learned that the hard way by doing by like doing it wrong and being that person who was like, "Yeah, I'm just going to move on," and being and being like, "All right, well." That's actually not going to, that, that doesn't work that way. I can't just like give all the documentation to the people who need it and then go, all right, you guys are all set, right? You guys can take this from here and then go work on the next thing. And yeah. And that's how you get, that's how you, that's how a product fails pretty quickly. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, I think we got to all be product managed, better product managers by learning to be better support for for the for customers for support for, sure. for anyone who's looking to learn more about you know how and why your product does what it does uh and i think yeah talking to customers understanding what they're dealing with as frequently as possible shadowing support as frequently as you know is feasible i think all of these things are so important to building that empathy yeah. muscle that obviously everyone talks about but i don't know that everyone fully understands how to how to do mm-hmm. it and how to do it well when I started in support, like I had no idea that product manager was a, even a job. I didn't know it existed. I didn't know what they did. Um, spent a year in support and all of a sudden realized that like, okay, well, I have this ability to take these problems that customers yeah. are having and turn it into something that's a solution. Oh, that's product management. Okay. Well, I didn't really, I didn't really know that like at a very high level, that's what it is. Okay. And then moving into that. So what does it mean for a support person to like be able to move into and be able to progress their career into product management? And what types of things do they need to, do they need to know? And do they need to be, do they need to stretch their empathy muscle for on the product, like on a product management side um, to be able to, to be able to understand so that they can kind of get to that point if that's where they want to go. Absolutely. Well said. And a very excellent first guest. You are uh, really fun to talk to and you really know your stuff. So you made it very easy for us. Thank you. We really appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah, I know. I just, I think we're really excited to have, uh, you know, Adam join us today, our first ever guest on what would you say you do here? Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. All right. And thank you everyone out there in product land for joining in. Adios. Try to say who knows goodbye in as many languages as possible. The sad thing is that neither of us have really learned Ciao. many other ways. <laughs> I was going to say Alvita Zane. No, I didn't. I'd, I'd Googled one of them. Yeah. <laughs> we get to the point where I'm like, I can't read Chinese. So sayonara.